We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Waltzing right back into your lives. Another episode of the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very, very much as always for locking in, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts. I appreciate each and every single one of you. Hope all is well. All right, so I am counting down the top 10 Buffalo Bills of all time at specific positions. Today is going to be part six of an 11-part series. We've already done quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen, both offensive tackle and interior offensive line. In fact, we just did a double episode of that yesterday. Today, we're going to count down the top 10 best Buffalo Bills defensive ends in franchise history. Um, Thursday, we're going to do defensive tackles. Of course, I'm going to have my regular casual Friday show with Joe Yernan this week. So all in all, four episodes of Talking Buffalo podcast this week. Before going on to, to uh, today's episode, I got to fess up on something, man. I made a big, big mistake. And as easy as it would be to just ignore it, I can't. Last week on this uh, series, I did tight ends, an episode on the top 10 tight ends. And accidentally, I had a very uh, glaring omission. And I'm not going to defend myself because it's my fault, my mistake. The process, I'll, I'll say this, the process that I do these top 10 lists on is I go through year by year starting lineups. And then I write down a bunch of guys and then I look up spent hours, literally hours doing research, looking up stats, accolades, all kinds of stuff. I narrow the list down to a certain amount. And then I end up ultimately power making who I think are in the top 10. And I take those top 10 and then I put it onto a list of notes. So when it came to tight end, one name that you did not hear if you listened to the episode was Scott Chandler. And you fans out there listening, you certainly let me know about it. And rightfully so. He was a, an omission, a glaring omission. I did have him for what it's worth. And again, not defending myself because ultimately it's my mistake. But I did not, tra- I had Scott Chandler on the list. But when I put it on my ultimate, my notes to read for the episode, I didn't cut and paste and I, and I forgot him. So at the end of the day, 
you never heard his name. For what it's worth, Scott Chandler absolutely positively is one of the 10 best tight ends in Buffalo Bills history. Quite frankly, I had him number three. So he should be number three. For me, it goes Pete Metzelars, Jay Reimersma, and then Scott Chandler. So that was definitely my mistake. I apologize profusely to Scott Chandler and any Scott Chandler fans out there. And you know, that's been my biggest fear of doing this series. You're doing all these positions, all these players, and you're literally looking at hundreds of names. I was scared that I was going to ultimately forget someone. And sure enough, it took four episodes, but I did. So again, Scott Chandler absolutely should have been uh, on that countdown at number three. But anyway, again, apologies for that. Um, beyond that, moving on to today, I- I've said this on all episodes, and, and I'm going to say it again for this one too. I'm going to focus on making these as short and easily consumable as possible, as humanly possible. This is not going to be long at all. You'll have plenty of time to do whatever else or listen to whatever else, watch whatever else that you want to. I'm not going to take up a lot of your time. Um, I want to reiterate as well, and I've done this a few times as well. These top 10 lists that you're hearing over these episodes that you've already heard or ones to come, including today, they come solely from me. These are my player evaluations, mine only. I did not confer with any media members. No one out there who covers the Bills didn't ask them for their opinions. Didn't poll fans. These lists are my opinions. My opinions alone. For better or for worse, I want to own these lists myself. I want to be responsible for them. Uh, I took into account a handful of factors ranging from their personal achievement to how long they played here to how good they were when they played here. And I also factored in, at least to some um, extent anyway, team success. Um, and these are for only when they're a member of the Buffalo Bills. I don't care what a player did before he came to Buffalo. Don't care what he did after he left Buffalo for the purpose of this exercise. And this exercise quite obviously is extremely subjective because at the end of the day, it's not fact. There's, it's just my opinion. No, it's my opinion and you all have your opinions and I welcome your opinions. I welcome your reactions. Uh, you can send me your love tweets, your hate tweets your lukewarm tweets to uh, at Pamoran tweets uh, on Twitter. At the end of this episode, I'll lay out what the podcast schedule for the remainder of these is going to be. And uh, let's jump into the top 10 defensive ends, but I'm going to forewarn you as well. I think of all the positions I've done so far for sure, and quite possibly all the ones that remain, I feel like defensive end is going to be the most controversial and disagreed pick in order of all the positions that we do. There's players on this list that some people think should be way higher or some people think should be lower. Some don't think they should be on there at all. I mean, it's like that with every position, but I think more so than any, that's going to be the case with this one. So just wanted to put that out there. But anyway, on to today's countdown, the top 10 defensive ends in Buffalo Bills history. Let's get the ball rolling at number 10. Number 10, I have... Tom Day. Tom Day spent six years with the Buffalo Bills, 1961 to 1966. He was picked by Buffalo in the second round of the AFL draft all the way back in 1960, which was Buffalo's inaugural season. However, Todd and Tom Day elected to go play with St. Louis in the NFL. That lasted only one season, though. He was cut and he joined the Buffalo Bills in 1961. By the way, um, he was drafted originally as an offensive guard. In fact, he spent his first three seasons in Buffalo as a right guard. He started 22 games at right guard. 
1964, he transitioned to defensive end, and over the next three years, he started every game. He was a key part of a Buffalo Bills defense that didn't allow a single rushing touchdown for 17 weeks between 1964 and 1965, which, of course, the Buffalo Bills won the AFL championship both years. The only two years they've won any form of pro football championship. Um, Day, Day had 13 and a half sacks in his 42 games with the Bills at defensive end. Um, when his first stint with the team, he earned second team All-Pro honors in 1965. Then in 1966, he went to San Diego for one season before coming back and finishing his career with Buffalo in 1968, where he had two and a half more sacks. Uh, he was a Buffalo Bill for 96 games, and he was a very good player, again, on two championship teams. And I absolutely count team success among the formula for these power rankings. By the way, I should have said this at the top. I'll say it now. I've been saying it on the other episodes. When I'm doing this series, I'm here in my home studio. I'm in a record and I'm talking. <laughs> I mean, I do that for all podcast episodes, but quite frankly, if I got a guest on more times than not, if something's not right, if I mess something up, they mess something up, I might go back and edit it so you ultimately don't hear the bloops and the blunders. Not going to be the case today. So if I talk over myself, I mispronounce something, I screw up, you're just going to have to deal with it. So this is a live recording, warts and all. All right, moving on to number nine. Ready for this one, folks? Chris Kelsey. Chris Kelsey spent 10 years with the Bills, 2003 to 2012. And I could feel it in my bones as I'm saying that name. People out listening are like, really? Chris Kelsey? Look, man, I ain't gonna sit here and try to talk you into believing that, you know, there was anything special about Chris Kelsey. The one, not by a long shot. Chris Kelsey never had more than five and a half sacks in any season of his career. But to be honest with you, the defensive end list as a whole is a little bit on the thin side. And, you know, I got to give Chris Kelsey a, a lot of credit for lasting with the Bills for all the years he did. Years played, service to the team, that plays a role in these rankings for me. And he spent 10 years with the, with the Bills, a full decade. Uh, Chris Kelsey became the starting left defensive end for Buffalo in his second year, 2004. And he remained so throughout most of his career. In total, he played 147 games with the Bills. He started 120 of them. He totaled 32 and a half sacks while a Buffalo Bill, which is good for 11th all-time officially. And I got to say officially because we all know that sacks weren't official stat before uh, the early 80s. And again, while he never had a standout season, he did manage three seasons of at least five sacks. Again, nothing spectacular, like, at all about Chris Kelsey. In fact, he was often, and I remember this well, and I was probably guilty of it at times. He was the poster child for the mediocrity of the Buffalo Bills during the 17-year drought. I get it. But, you know, in a position that isn't overflowed with defensive talent historically, uh, Chris Kelsey's 11 years with the team matters. And that's why I got him on this list. All right, moving on to number eight. We got Sherman White. Sherman White spent eight years with the Buffalo Bills, 1976 to 1983. White was the seventh, second overall pick in the 1972 draft by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he had four decent, somewhat underwhelming seasons with Cincinnati, especially for being the second overall pick uh, for his time was up there. And then he came to Buffalo to replace Walt Patuski, the first overall pick by the Bills, 
who was considered by many one of the league's uh or teams and maybe in the league's all-time biggest draft bus effect i remember seeing an espn list where walt potoski was considered the 28th biggest draft bus of all time but anyway back to sherman white not spectacular but very very solid uh during his eight years as a buffalo bill he started 98 of his 106 games with the team and had a career best eight sacks in 1981 he had at least four sacks in seven of his eight years with the team and his 38 sacks would be good for ninth on the team's all-time list again had sacks been recorded as an official statistic which they didn't for becoming one in uh 1982 so number eight sherman white number seven ben williams gentle ben more known as uh 10 years with the bills spent his entire career here 1976 to 1985 um ben williams again his nickname was gentle ben a third round pick of the bills in 1976 out of old miss who by the way made history there he was the first black football player in the program ever at old miss not sure if you knew that, but pretty cool uh, history tidbit right there. Anyway, Williams started seven games as a rookie with the Bills, and then he put a stranglehold on the job his second year beginning in 1977. He would start 140 of his 147 games as a Buffalo Bill. He reached triple or double digit sacks three times during his career, including a career best 12 in 1980. He also had 10 in 1981 and 10 in 1983. Ironically, it was the one year he only had four sacks in 1982, sandwiched between the other three, that he earned Pro Bowl honors. Um, his 12 sacks in 1980 were good for six in the NFL that year. He's not recognized near the top of the Bills' all-time sack leaders because, again, stat wasn't official when he was playing early on in his career, but his 52 sacks in reality would rank pretty high up there. And uh, just one half sack actually behind Cornelius Bennett, a pass rushing linebacker that many Bills fans know. Um, he spent a full decade with the team, you know, three times, double-digit sacks, and it was a good teammate. Well-liked on the field, off the field, and for me, that's a formula to find yourself ranked up on this list. So I got him at number seven. One more to rank, to uh, to ring out the top half of um, our top 10, and then we'll take a quick break before getting into five through one. But anyway, coming in at number six, and this is why I think a lot of the bickering is going to come towards where players should be positioned. Me, I got coming in at number six, Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes spent nine years with the Bills, 2013, all the way through this past season, 2021. He's now, of course, with the Houston Texans. Um, Jerry Hughes was a former first-round pick by the Indianapolis Colts back in 2010. And uh, you know what? It's pretty lousy there. Not all his fault. Maybe it was an organizational failure. Um, wasn't the right fit, but for whatever reason, Jerry Hughes was lousy as an Indianapolis Colt for three years. Um, at that point, he was approaching that bust label territory. But good for him, good for the Bills. Right before the 2013 season, he was traded to uh, the Bills in exchange for Calvin Shepard. And that trade turned out to be one of the best trades in Buffalo Bills history, quite frankly. Uh, Hughes was a backup in 2013 with the Bills, but in 2014, he became a full-time starter, and he transformed himself into one of the better all-around defensive ends in the league. Don't pay too much attention to stats. Although, Jerry Hughes' numbers weren't nothing to sneeze at either. Um, he had back-to-back 10-sack seasons in 2013 and 2014. He had seven sacks in 2018. 
He had six sacks in 2016. Um, beyond sacks, he excelled at creating pressure. Uh, advanced stats, you, know, you stat geeks out there, you stat nerds, you know all about this. Uh, one of the league's better pass rushers in terms of win rate. A good all-around player, man. Made some pretty big plays, too. 144 games played with the Bills. He started 134 of them and generated 58 sacks, which officially is good for fourth in team history. Never made a Pro Bowl. He never won All-Pro honors, but he was very much respected and very popular with his teammates and fans. All very much deserved, too. You know, I consider Hughes one of the all-time most underrated players on the Bills. And I think he's rewarded with a pretty good spot on this list. Again, I know there's going to be some people out there who have recency bias who think it should be higher than six. But I think six is a, uh, I think it's a very fair spot for him. But anyway, there you go, 10 through six. Let's recap that real quick here. Tom Day comes in at six. Chris Kelsey at nine. Sherman White at eight. Ben Williams at seven. And Jerry Hughes at six. Quick break, and we're going to get to five through one. Be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we are back counting down the top 10 defensive ends of all time with the Buffalo Bills. We just did 10 through 6. Let's get the countdown going back here. We're at number 5. And coming in at number 5, we're going to go Phil Hansen. Phil Hansen spent 11 years with the Buffalo Bills. 1991 to 2001. A second round pick out of North Dakota State. Of course, Phil Hansen was the, I'm using air quotes here, the other defensive end on the Bills defensive line opposite of, well, you already know who. And if you don't, I'm going to remind you of that real soon here. Um, look, there was nothing flashy. There was nothing brilliant about Phil Hansen's game. But don't get it twisted, man. Don't be thinking this was some overrated bum. Phil Hansen, who was, uh, 
You know, he was a starting defensive end on a Bills Super Bowl team before his rookie season was even over. In total, played 156 games for the team. He started 148 of them. Uh, personal accolades like all pros and, and pro bowls were never attained by him, but he had very, very solid production. Um, he had a career best 10 sacks in, in 1995. And he also had several good seasons statistically. Um, eight sacks in both 1992 and 96. He had seven and a half sacks in 1998. And beyond the sacks, Phil Hansen was really good against the run. Uh, Phil Hansen was loved and respected by his teammates and by the organization. And if you need proof of that, look no further than the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame, where you'll find Phil Hansen. He's third all-time officially um, in sacks with the team, 61 and a half. And again, not the flashiest guy, and he played on a defense with so many bigger-name players. But Phil Hansen was a very, very good player, and for me personally, very deserving of being in the top five. And that's where he came in here at number five. All right, coming in at number four, Ron McDole. Ron McDole spent eight years with the Bills, 1963 to 1970. Uh, Ron McDole was originally a right tackle. Um, he played with St. Louis and Houston for one year each before joining the Buffalo Bills before the 1963 season. Um, he'd go on to become an anchor of a great Bills defensive line that helped them win back-to-back AFL championships in 1964 and 1965. Um, McDowell had five or more sacks in four straight seasons. He was a first-team All-Pro in 1966, and he was a second-team All-Pro in both 1967 and 1968. Maybe the most impressive stat from McDowell is in his 38 sacks with the Bills, but for a defensive end, he had six interceptions with the team in eight years. As a defensive end, six picks. You don't see that often. Uh, one last thing, too, and this matters. McDowell was the defensive captain on both Bills championship teams. I, sh- I should have said that earlier. Um, He was selected to second team all-time AFL team. Let me say that again. Second team all-time AFL team. So if you think that being ranked in the top four is too high, think again. Think again, folks. Ron McDowell comes in. And number four, and again, he's from the 60s, so most fans might not even know who he is. Take my word for it. I've done the research. Guy was a legendary player. All right, so he's in at four. Number three, this is where I I feel like shit might hit the fan a little bit. Aaron Chobel, I got him at three. Spent his entire nine-year career with the Buffalo Bills, 2001 to 2009. And again, say what you will about Aaron Chobel. That he say he's one-dimensional say his stats were often empty, say that he didn't play on any winners, say whatever you want. But bottom line, during his time with the Bills, Aaron Schobel was among one of the best, not just with the T, but entire NFL, again, to the quarterback. Uh, Aaron Schobel had double-digit sacks three times, including a career best 14 in 2006, to go along with 12 in 2005 and 11 and a half in 2003. All three of those years, he finished in the top 10 in sacks in the league. And in 2006, he was actually third in the NFL in sacks. I uh, made the Pro Bowl twice in 2006 and 2007. And in 2006, that same year, he had the 14 sacks. He was named second team All-Pro in the NFL. Uh, beyond sack totals, Aaron Schobel was also incredibly durable. 
from 2002 until 2007. He started 80 straight games without missing one single game. In total, he played 133 games with Buffalo. He started in 128 of them, and he registered 78 sacks, far and away second most ever in the history of the franchise. And again, this is where the arguments ensue, and I completely understand it. This is a case where if you're anti-Aaron Schobel, you could say sacks are a very overrated stat. Whereas you can look at other positions, especially with defensive tackle, and you can say sets or sacks don't mean anything from that aspect. Or sometimes you can use stats for your argument. It all depends on how you want to use them. I think Aaron Schobel was a great player on some really mediocre teams. And I know there's a lot of fans out there listening who are going to say that Jerry Hughes should be ranked higher than Aaron Schobel. I heard it on Twitter when he moved on, when Jerry Hughes signed with Houston, and a lot of conversations started right away about if Jerry Hughes belongs on the Hall of Fame. And I heard a lot of fans say, well, Aaron Schobel should be there first. And a lot of people said, nope, Jerry Hughes should be there before him. I don't agree, obviously, because I got Aaron Schobel third, whereas I had Jerry Hughes sixth. But anyway, that's where he lands on my list, number three. Number two, another polarizing figure with the Buffalo Bills. Four years with the team, 2012 to 2015. Of course, I'm talking about Mario Williams. The former first overall pick by Houston. He spent six years with the Texans before he came to Buffalo in 2012. And we all remember the fanfare that came with that, don't we? Uh, the airport, flight stalking online. The airlines, uh, I remember him showing up at the airport in Buffalo. That being like the top story in the news. Having dinner at restaurants downtown. Just, I mean, man, you talk about pop and circumstance. That's what it was with Mario Williams. And ultimately, of course, uh, you know, team success never came with him. But that one on him. Look, Mario Williams was never going to be able to live up to the six-year, $100 million deal that he signed. Which, by the way, that included over $50 million guaranteed, which at the time was the richest contract ever in the history of the NFL given to a defensive player. It was impossible for him to live up to that contract, especially on a team that wasn't very good. And when I wasn't going to him, Williams sure was very good, especially before Rex Ryan got here, which was Mario's last year with the team. Uh, Mario had 10 and a half sacks with the Bills in 2012. He had 13 sacks in 2013. And then he had a career best 14 and a half sacks in 2014. In fact, that year, 2014, he was named first team All-Pro. And that came off the heels of 2013 when he was named second team All-Pro. So you're talking about a two-time All-Pro player with the Buffalo Bills. Then, of course, Rex Ryan came to the Bills in 2015. He switched to a 3-4 defense. He tried to make Mario Williams into something that he wasn't, which was covering as a linebacker at the time. It was a, just a complete a debacle, a disaster. Rex Ryan probably did more in two years to set back the Buffalo Bills maybe than any coach ever did. Uh, Mario only had five sacks that last season, and then he was cut, and he went on to finish his career by playing uh, one year with Miami. While a Buffalo Bill, Mario Williams played and started in 63 games, he racked up 43 sacks. He was far and away the best player on some promising, but ultimately underachieving football teams. We thought Mario Williams would be the guy to get the Bills out of the playoff drought. Ultimately, that did not, was not the case. But again, not his fault. You want to blame someone 
blame some poor signings, blame some poor drafting, and especially blame Rex Ryan because he took a dominant defense and he made them shit almost instantly, including their best player, Mario Williams. But anyway, I got him at number two. Uh, shout out, honorable mention to two guys before we get to number one. I want to mention uh, Leon Seals and I also wanted to mention Al Collins. All right, so we're here at number one. <laughs> Look, man, it's Bruce Smith, all right? No drama here, no drum roll. It's freaking Bruce Smith. 15 years with the Bills, 85 to 99. What are you really going to say? I mean, of all the positional lists that I've done or will do in this series, uh, spoiler alert, all right? I can promise you this one far and away was the easiest. This was the easiest number one pick of all positions. It took zero thinking to do it, right? Bruce was the first overall pick in 1985. And after a modest six and a half sack rookie season, uh, he became the dominant force who came to know in year two. He would have 15 sacks, which would ultimately be the second most of his career. And it was the first of 12 double digit sacks over the next 13 years. Let me say that one more time. 12 double digit sack seasons in 13 years. You want to talk about a run with a football team 12 times. Your boy had at least 10 sacks, which by the way, the only time he didn't hit double digits was 1991. And that's only because he played five games in the regular season because of a right knee injury. I mean, look, I could go on for days and days and days and days when it comes to Bruce Smith. If I wanted to make this a long episode, I could spend 40 minutes just talking about all the shit that Bruce Smith did. Um, know this though. He was a staggering eight time first team all pro eight Sometimes I read these, my notes, and I got to say it again because it's almost hard to believe. Eight times he was a first-team All-Pro. He was a three-time second-team All-Pro. He was the 1990 AP Defensive Player of the Year. And again in 1996, he also finished in the top five for AP Defensive Player of the Year another six times. Um, even finishing fourth in AP NFL MVP, not just Defensive Player of the Year. Entire NFL MVP finished fourth in 1990. Wow. Again, I'm looking at my notes sometimes and I just sit there and it's almost hard to believe how dominant he was. Wow. Eight times for first, three times for second. So that's 11 times he made first or second team all pro. Whew. In total, 171 of his all-time NFL best 200 sacks came as a member of the Buffalo Bills. The next person on the Bills sack list is the guy we just talked about a few minutes ago, Aaron Schobel, who finished just a mere 92 sacks behind Bruce Smith. Again, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but you guys got lives to attend to. You got other shows to watch, got other podcasts to listen to. Look, Bruce Smith is not only the best Buffalo Bills defensive end in team history, in my personal opinion, and I know a lot of you out there are going to agree, Bruce Smith is the greatest Buffalo Bills player of all time period regardless of position so there you go bruce smith at number one let me recap again one more time five through one phil hansen comes in at five ron mcdowell at four aaron Schobel at three super mario williams at two and bruce smith comes in at number one all right we're going to be back again thursday we're going to count down defensive tackles Friday is going to be Casual Friday with Joe Yurden, our normal Friday show. And then again, next week, 
the last week before Bills start training camp. We're going to have a podcast every single day. We'll wrap this series up. Monday, we're going to do linebackers. Tuesday, corners. Wednesday, we'll do safeties. And then that next Thursday, we'll wrap this up with special teams. And then, of course, another casual Friday with Joe Yurden. Guys, I want to know your opinions. I, I, I feel like this position, there should be plenty. Because between Mario, between Showell, between Phil Hanson, between Jerry Hughes, I'm sure a lot of people have different opinions. I'd love to hear them. Tweet at me, please. Follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. By the way, before I get out of here, I want to make sure I plug our YouTube channel. This series is audio only, but on our YouTube channel, we have some full-length episodes available, and we have highlight clips from almost every episode. We're going to have some original content coming there, some live streams. So if you're listening to this, please go on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcast, hit subscribe on that channel, hit the little bell so you get notifications when new content comes out. Thank you very, very much again for listening, and we will be back on Thursday, counting down the top 10 defensive tackles. Talk to you guys soon.